Okay, so just a brief word before we begin. Or relatively brief, you guys know me. Uh, firstly, sorry for the delay in getting new content out. My computer monitor suddenly died, my trusty Asus ProArt that, uh, I've probably had it for about eight years, so <laughs> I guess it, it, it held in there like a champ for a while, probably longer than uh, I should have expected. And also, I just wanted to thank everyone for all the attention my review of Netflix's Cleopatra series received. I went to bed and it had 11 views, woke up the next morning and it had over 9,000. Isn't that a Dragon Ball Z meme? Anyway, Vegeta. Uh, I haven't checked it in about a week, but the last time I looked it had over 20,000 views. And it's not just the views, I really appreciate the upvotes and all the positive comments. I've had other videos that have eventually garnered thousands of views, but never that quickly, literally overnight. It was a pleasant surprise, but also um, almost intimidating in a way at the same time. And as a content creator, I always try to be aware or on guard, you know, for the so-called concept of audience capture, where a creator receives positive attention from their audience, and then out of a desire for further adulation or monetary reward, or just not wanting to disappoint their audience, you know, they feel a need to keep serving up the same kind of content or the same kind of messaging. And so this disclaimer of sorts is just to let people who are perhaps new to the channel or show know that I have my own unique worldview and you never quite know what you're going to get with me from one week to the next. Because of my reverence for history and historical accuracy and just empirical truth, one week you might get me criticizing something like the aforementioned Netflix Cleopatra series for changing the ethnicity of a historical figure, and then the next week you might have me espousing a more left-wing point of view uh, that you might not agree with, which is probably what you'll be getting with this episode, hence once again the need for the disclaimer, or my perceived need. And so I imagine if you're here listening to this or watching the YouTube version, you've probably read the title and realized it's going to be me wading into the whole Target controversy. And so I have a gay family member, I have gay friends, I have a longtime friend who transitioned, and even if I didn't have people like that in my life, I would like to think that in keeping with my humanist values, I would still believe that gay and trans people should be free to live their lives without being ostracized or demonized, you know? And so that's basically where I'm coming from, just to let you know what you're in for if you stick around. And just for the sake of context, I recorded this introduction or disclaimer after recording the actual episode and just kind of tacked it on at the end after the fact. If you hear me, you know, speaking of events as if they were more recent than they actually are, please bear in mind that once again, um, there was a delay in getting this out. My aforementioned monitor gave up the proverbial ghost right when I was in the middle of recording this episode. But anyway, without further delay, here we go. Hey everyone, I was originally planning on doing an episode on abiogenesis. I was inspired to do an episode on the topic after watching a recent debate between Dave Farina and James Torr. 
The debate unfortunately devolved into a you-know-what show, and I learned nothing. It basically consisted of Dave Farina repeatedly calling James Tor a liar, and James Tor blowing his top and yelling, Mr. Farina, repeatedly, and demanding that he come up and write on the chalkboard like one of his students. So real quick, abiogenesis, if you're not aware, refers to the process or study of how life originally arose on Earth. How did organic life develop from inorganic matter, etc.? I'm not a scientist myself, but I think that's the, uh, that's the gist. And so James Tor is a scientist and professor who was born and raised Jewish but ended up converting to Christianity after reportedly witnessing Jesus walk into his room. So he's now a very devout Christian who, although he says he doesn't let his religious beliefs affect his science, kind of sets out to dismantle claims that life arose on Earth naturalistically. And Dave Farina is a science educator with a pretty big YouTube following who's made a series of debunk videos focusing on James Tor and his claims. No love lost between the two, and they finally debated. If you're interested in watching it for yourselves, they both uploaded video of it to their channels. So hopefully I'll still eventually get around to doing an abiogenesis episode. And I believe I still owe you guys an episode on pantheism versus panentheism, and an episode on the pagan goddess Eostra. We'll see. But I decided to put the abiogenesis episode on the back burner because I woke up yesterday and all I kept hearing about is this recent uh, Target controversy. And for my friends and listeners outside the States, Target is a fairly popular American department store chain. And like Walmart, they kind of sell, you know, a bit of everything. Electronics, groceries, furniture, cosmetics, clothing. And I would argue that the emphasis seems to be on clothing in particular. When I go to my local Target, it seems like the clothing department takes up the bulk of the store. And then the assorted other departments kind of line the perimeter. And that kind of leads us into this recent controversy. They added a pride section to their clothing department, but I guess they were also offering pride items in other departments, like pride-themed furniture, for instance. And I would hope that the average person would be tolerant and accepting enough that they wouldn't be really bothered by a department store selling pride items in general or having a pride section. But people have been claiming that certain pride products that Target has been offering are particularly inappropriate. And it seems I should mention that some of these claims have apparently been debunked. One claim being repeated is that they were offering quote-unquote tuck-friendly children's bathing suits, and I'm so naive about some of this stuff that I honestly had no idea what the heck tuck-friendly meant. I was thinking tuck might be a noun. I was like, what the heck it, you know, is a tuck? Is it like a little elf? But then I learned, uh, I know I'm weird, I learned tuck means to tuck your privates like uh, in that dance Buffalo Bill does in Silence of the Lambs. By the way, uh, Goodbye Horses by Q Lazarus. Awesome song. 
But yeah, these tuck-friendly swimsuits apparently have extra room in the crotch to allow trans women to hide their genitals, fold their carrots, whatever. But from what I've read and watched, apparently these tuck-friendly swimsuits are only for adults and not children, as had been claimed by some. I actually saw a YouTube video yesterday where... According to this video, there was a, a woman, uh, what the kids call a Karen, who recorded herself going into a Target, and she was claiming that there were these tuck-friendly swimsuits in the children's aisle, etc., but apparently she had brought items or tags from the adult section over to the children's section, claiming that these tags or the items were children's products or tags belonging to children's products. But someone supposedly debunked her by going onto Target's website and showing the exact pride-related items available and showing that these specific quote-unquote tuck-friendly swimsuits only came in adult sizes. And this is actually from the Associated Press. It says, Claim, Target's Pride Collection features a bathing suit for kids that is labeled quote-unquote tuck-friendly. The facts, the quote-unquote tuck-friendly swimsuits, are only offered in adult sizes, according to a spokesperson for the company and Target's website. Kids' swimsuits in the collection do not feature this label. But as alluded to by the Associated Press, they do offer some pride-themed swimsuits for kids, featuring rainbow patterns, etc. Whether or not you find that inappropriate is up to you, I guess. I imagine if you're a conservative Christian parent, you probably are going to find it inappropriate. Whereas if you're a gay parent or, say, a left-leaning parent who supports gay rights, inclusivity, you know, you'll probably think there's nothing wrong with your child wearing clothing that supports the LGBT, LGBTQ, trying to keep up with the letters, community. Uh, me, <laughs> sorry about all the jokes. Me personally, I'm not religious. I'm not a parent. As long as it's an article of clothing, the child naturally expresses interest in and they're not being forced into wearing it by their parents, uh, I don't see a problem. And if you are a conservative Christian parent who finds it inappropriate, just tell your kid we're not shopping in the pride section, you know? Easy as that. Then the other kind of salacious claim going around was that some of the pride items were supposedly satanic. Well, I imagine if you're a conservative Christian who believes the Bible condemns homosexuality, then by default you probably think anything to do with being gay is satanic. But what I mean is there were claims that some of the pride items were blatantly satanic. This also seems to be false. And the root of the claim seems to be the fact that one of the designers of some of the pride items Target was selling also has an Etsy store where they do sell satanic-themed items, shirts, enamel pins, etc. And in a moment, I'll read a short article about the designer. But it's actually the satanic angle that made me want to cover this story. As I've said before, I've been trying to avoid politics on the show unless it has to do with religion. Um, I'm not sure, in fairness, if I broke that rule with those recent Cleopatra episodes. Those were driven by my love of ancient history. I'll let you decide whether they were political or not. 
But now that I think about it, even if you remove the satanic angle, this target controversy story still kind of falls into the wheelhouse of the show because usually people's anti-gay worldviews are informed by their religious beliefs. But part of it is probably also this kind of anti-trans hysteria, which also may have a religious component. Uh, if you're anti-gay, there's a good chance you're probably anti-trans anti too. And I'm not trying to insult or belittle people on the other side of the argument by just writing it off as hysteria. I get why people are concerned about children, right? The question is, I suppose, how much of that concern is warranted in this area? You know, as I characterized it, this kind of trans hysteria or trans panic, people are concerned over whether or not children are receiving gender-affirming care at too young an age. And I'll admit, I don't know at what age children are eligible for hormone treatments or even surgery, but I get the concern. I get being worried about children and whether or not they're going to be making these big life-changing decisions at, or, or their parents allowing these big life-changing decisions at too young an age. I totally get that. But I think the shame is it's kind of turned into this ugly backlash against the trans community as a whole. And you have trans people who are just trying to live and survive, and they're being demonized and treated almost as symbols of the corruption of children or looked at as a danger to children. When if you look at the numbers, uh, I mean, your kid's probably exponentially more likely to get molested by... <laughs> by a priest or a youth pastor than, you know, a trans person or a gay person. Homosexuals, by definition, are attracted to people of the same sex, not children. That's defined by another word, beginning with a P, which I won't say, because not only does it creep me out, but I don't want to get demonetized on YouTube. So to reiterate, it's completely understandable to be concerned about kids, but it does seem like this has blossomed into some weird, ugly, I'll say it unapologetically now, anti-trans hysteria. You know, I just think maybe people need to try to keep things in perspective. You can be concerned about kids and try to safeguard kids without demonizing an entire group or going into targets and tearing down pride displays or whatever, you know? And I think I'd be irresponsible or remiss if I didn't stop to mention while we're on the topic of safeguarding children that, yes, on the one hand, there is the understandable concern over whether or not children are receiving gender-affirming care at too young an age. Um, once again, I'm no expert. I don't know what the numbers are, how frequent uh, or common that is, or what the age limits are. But at the same time, on the other side of the argument, there's what I also find to be a very understandable or justifiable concern, that kids experiencing gender dysphoria who are denied gender-affirming care are supposedly at a higher risk of suicidal ideation or actual committing actual suicide, which, needless to say, should be taken very seriously and needs to be factored into the discussion. And as long as your motivations are pure and you're not just 
railing against gender-affirming care for kids because you find trans people yucky and weird or whatever, you know? I think it's actually noble to be concerned about kids other than your own. But like how I was making the point that no one's forcing you to buy stuff for your kids from a Target Pride display, no one's forcing you to consent to your own children having gender-affirming care if that's even a problem you yourself are, fa are faced with. And I would hope, I would hope for parents that are faced with that problem that there's an arduous vetting process whereby healthcare professionals make sure that the child in question is actually trans and not just confused or going through a phase or caught up in some trend. You would hope anyway. But back to people trashing Target displays. Uh, it's kind of funny, another video I saw, I was watching Cult of Dusty, and he was showing video of this guy, and the guy looked like this kind of stereotypical Chad jock kind of dude with the baseball hat, the big muscles, the shit kicker attitude or whatever. And he was recording himself going in the targets and tearing down the pride sign, stomping on him. And then this guy, I think his name's Tizzy. I don't really, I don't think I've ever been on TikTok, but apparently he's a big TikToker. And he exposed the guy as uh, apparently having a grinder account. And he revealed these really explicit, sexually explicit graphic exchanges the guy was having on Grinder with other gay guys. Stuff about wanting, uh, I should leave it up to your imagination because it's pretty gross. Uh, but yeah, wanting certain, I guess I'm going to say it anyway, wanting certain omissions in his beard and wanting to be smacked in the face with a certain male appendage. But <laughs> Like really graphic stuff, but uh, he used much more graphic terms. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like Shakespeare, you know, sometimes, uh, people doth protest too much, I guess. And I'll be honest with you guys, you know, I'm a straight Gen Xer. And when I was growing up here in the New England area as a kid, people would throw around gay slurs on the playground or whatever, like they were going out of style. If you thought something was cringy or if you didn't like something, you'd say, oh, that's gay or whatever, right? Or if you want to belittle someone, you didn't like the way they were acting, you didn't like someone, people would call them the F-slur or whatever. And it seemed like if you were a guy, the last thing you wanted was for other people to think you were gay, right? You know, if you were straight, I remember being a straight kid growing up, the last thing I wanted was for other people to think I was gay because it carried such a stigma, right? And if you were actually gay, you were probably afraid of other people finding out you were gay because of whatever the consequences might be, being socially ostracized, maybe even being beat up or what, you know? So it was a much different time. And I remember how quickly things changed. I remember when Obama was running against Hillary Clinton and how you had these two people that were supposedly these big liberals, and yet they were both saying publicly that they believe marriage should only be between a man and a woman. And look how far we've come. And I think for the better, you know, I don't have any religious hang-ups about sexuality or marriage. So I think if two people who happen to be of the same sex love each other and want to be committed to each other, they should be able to get married. Why the hell not, you know? 
To me, marriage is just a man-made institution or social construct, and I'm not trying to belittle it. I understand the value of marriage, of coming together with someone you love and building a life together and all that, but I don't personally view it as some God-ordained sacrament, so I don't see any reason why two adults of the same sex who love each other shouldn't be able to enter into a socially recognized union as well, just, you know, the same as a straight couple. And you might say that's what civil unions are for, but I don't see any reason why it, it can't be a marriage, you know? And man, am I saying you know a lot. That's what happens when you go off script. But the reason why I started talking about attitudes towards homosexuality when I was a kid is because even though I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, I had, I still have these kind of ingrained biases that I have to wrestle with. Like, I admit it, when I was watching stories about this whole Target controversy, I saw one pride display, and it had a male mannequin wearing a dress, and it had another male mannequin who was wearing overalls, but the legs were cut off like little short shorts, and they were wearing a pink shirt that said queen on it. I have to admit, you know, there's that part of me that is just some straight guy from New England that was like, oh, that's a little weird, man, you know, but I try to be as accepting as possible. And if I go into a Target and I see something like that at first, you know, I might raise an eyebrow, but then I'm going to go, hey man, who cares? Live and let live, you know? <laughs> and if you have a kid and you don't want your kid to be influenced by that kind of thing, once again, you say, we're not shopping in that section. And if they ask about it, you do your best to say, you know, well, well I don't know how you explain it, but you do your best. Um, but no one's forcing you to buy yourself or your kids anything from the pride section. It does make me wonder, though, like who exactly some of this stuff is for, because gay guys aren't all the Will and Grace, you know, Jack, flamboyant stereotype. There's some gay men who do fit that stereotype. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's guys that you would probably never guess in a million years were gay. They seem like regular masculine dudes, you know, and I wonder if there's gay guys who go in the Target and they see <laughs> this mannequin wearing a, a pink shirt that says Queen on it and a little pair of short shorts, uh, short, short over overhauls, if they're like, yeah, I'm just going to go to the men's section. And I'm trying to check myself as I go here, and hopefully it doesn't seem like I'm laughing too much at people who might be on the more flamboyant side of the queer spectrum because uh, it's exactly the opposite. What, I'm, what I've set out to do here is to be supportive. And the people who are more flamboyant and more noticeably queer are probably the ones who need all the more protection or support, right? So I apologize if it does sound like I'm, um, if I'm being mocking or anything like that. Like I said, I'm trying to overcome my own whatever residual inherent biases I might still be wrestling with, you know? And I just said, you know, again. But yeah, anyway, I should know better. I consider myself to be a creative type, even though 
sexually I'm straight, probably as straight as they come, C-O-M-E. Um, that was crude. Uh, Personality-wise, I've never really been into things that are considered typically hetero. I've never really cared much about sports. Uh, I've always been more into, say, literature and the arts, um, that kind of thing. A lot of my kind of idols are, you know, musicians or poets or avant-garde types. So I should be more understanding of people who adopt a kind of flamboyant or outsider or fringe kind of appearance or style, you know? That just said you know again, damn it. Take a drink. And on that subject of kind of fringe or flamboyant, colorful individuals, I've actually been on a real Iggy Pop kind of kick recently. It reminded me of how I talked about on the show once. I'm a huge Doors fan, huge Jim Morrison fan. And Danny Sugarman was a music critic uh, who wrote for, I think, various music magazines, etc. And uh, Jim Morrison took him under his wing when Sugarman was still a teenager. And he actually inspired Sugarman to become a writer. And after Jim Morrison died... Uh, Sugarman became hooked on smack and he actually became friends with Iggy Pop and Iggy Pop uh, was also inspired by Jim Morrison and in his book Wonderland Avenue actually sadly Sugarman is gone now I believe he passed from cancer but awesome book Wonderland Avenue about his post Jim Morrison era when he was addicted and his friendship with Iggy Pop. He talks about how sometimes Iggy Pop would disappear and he'd go off with like a group of drag friends and then he'd show up wearing women's clothes and then he'd fall out of the habit and maybe then again he'd disappear again and show up in women's clothes. But this all just made me think of that. And hopefully it doesn't sound like I'm confusing drag with being trans. But obviously, uh, drag has been in the news recently, too. Uh, there's people upset about, uh, there's drag queens appearing in commercials. Then, uh, you know, there was the whole drag queen story hour thing, which I understand how that seems weird. You see a dude with a beard who looks like Divine, you know, dressed in women's clothes, reading to a, a bunch of kids. But even with that, I believe with uh, Drag Queen Story Hour, no one's forcing your kids to take part in it. I think usually you need parents' approval, if I'm not mistaken. 19 minutes in, I still haven't really dove into the satanic aspect yet. So let's remedy that now. Uh, yeah, I think it's an interesting phenomenon that we're seeing this increasing overlap between queer culture and Satanism. And and I'm not saying that in a fear-mongering way. You guys know me. I actually think it's kind of cool and fascinating. Uh, and as someone who's been hosting a secular podcast for roughly a decade, I know exactly what's behind the phenomenon. Regular listeners are probably sick of me hear, you know, sick of hearing me talk about this, but the two really big satanic organizations, the late Anton Zandor LaVey's Church of Satan and the newer Satanic Temple, are both non-theistic Satanist organizations. Non-theistic Satanists don't believe in a literal devil. Rather, they embrace the devil or Lucifer as a symbol of rebellion and free thought, etc. Non-theistic Satanist organizations are essentially atheistic organizations. 
And whereas LaVey's Church of Satan has traditionally embraced a kind of might-makes-right social Darwinist ideology, the Satanic Temple embraces a kind of kinder, gentler, secular humanist, social activist kind of ideology, standing up for reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights, etc. And that's where you get this overlap between Satanism and queer culture or activism from. You might even see pink or rainbow-themed versions of the Satanic Temple's stylized um, Sigil of Baphomet, the goat's head symbol, even though technically Baphomet, Eliphas Levi's sabbatic goat image, isn't a satanic symbol. It's meant to embody a union of opposites. But the Church of Satan adopted a goat's head and an upside-down pentagram, the so-called Sigil of Baphomet, as the symbol of their organization. And then the Satanic Temple adopted a more stylized version. Am I saying Satanic in a really New Englandy kind of way? Satan, Satan. No, I can't do it. And I believe the inverted pentagram with the goat's head actually goes back to another French occultist by the name of Stanislas de Guida. I think that's it. I've covered him in both of my, um, I can talk, both of my Baphomet documentaries, which you can find in the podcast feed or on the YouTube channel. And as a left-leaning person who's a non-believer and doesn't believe in the supernatural, but nevertheless has a fascination with, you know, dark and spooky stuff, I have no problem with people using this kind of quote-unquote satanic uh, symbolism or imagery. And as someone who embraces, I guess, what you could call secular humanist values, I actually support the Satanic Temple separation of church and state slash religious freedom activism, as well as their other forms of social activism, which I touched on earlier. But at the same time, I try to be empathetic and put myself in other people's shoes. I can see how if you're a believing Christian who does believe in a literal devil, and you see activists sporting all this satanic imagery or... Uh, satanic imagery associated with after-school programs, like I think it's called the After School Satan Club, uh, how it might freak you out or disturb you and lead you to think that there is some kind of actual quote-unquote satanic agenda going on, which in a sense there is in the non-theistic use of the word satanic. But if I'm not mistaken, the After School Satan Club program isn't trying to indoctrinate kids into a literal belief in some supernatural devil. The emphasis is on skepticism and science literacy, that kind of thing. And they're voluntary. No one's making kids go to an after-school Satan club. And they're actually a response to Christian or religious um after-school programs. And once again, it's, a, it's an example of the Satanic Temple's uh, freedom of religion or separation of church and state activism. They use the whole Satan angle to try to test and ensure the separation of church and state and to ensure religious freedom, religious equality. You know, because isn't the socially accepted forms of religion like Christianity that need 
protecting, you know, it's kind of like the thing about free speech. And it's, it's really unpopular speech that needs protecting. And in a way, Satanism serves as a kind of litmus test to make sure that we really do have a separation of church and state and religious freedom and religious equality. But I know I'm rambling. I was hoping this was going to be like a 14-minute episode, but obviously it's going to be considerably longer. My apologies to those of you who don't really like the long-form content. But let's finally read the article I mentioned about the satanic designer. And so this is from the New York Post. I don't know what kind of reputation exactly the Post has, uh, which way it tends to lean. But anyway, it looks like they're getting this article from Reuters, which I've always trusted. I kind of put them up there with the Associated Press. If I want just uh, kind of straight trustworthy journalism. I'll go to the AP or Reuters. I'm sure some people might try to argue that there's some left-leaning bias there, but I find them pretty, uh, pretty trustworthy and professional. But the article is entitled, Trans Designer Whose Satanist Brand Was Pulled by Target Sees Orders Surge, and it's dated May 25th, so just uh, a few days ago. I'm recording this on the 29th. And so it begins, transgender designer Eric Carnell has seen a surge in demand for his pins, prints, stickers, and t-shirts after retailer Target pulled his products amid a backlash by some customers to its pride collection, he said on Thursday. Target's pride collection included more than 2,000 products, from clothes and music to home furnishings. And while several are under review, the only ones removed so far from its website and stores are from Carnell or Carnell's brand, Abprelling. Abprelling. And I think it will say later in the article that that's actually a German word for ricochet. And it's this person's favorite word, yeah, to each his own, but abprelin, I guess. I don't know if I have a favorite word. Maybe apotheosis, that's a good one. Dionysian, that's another good one. Anyway, Target said this year's Pride collection led to an increase in confrontations between customers and employees, and incidents of Pride merchandise being thrown on the floor, as I was uh, discussing at least one of those incidents. Uh, earlier. In messages on the website and Etsy store for Abprelin, Carnell said the volume of orders was such that he had to temporarily stop taking new orders. And I was actually curious, so I went to their Etsy store, and it says that they're temporarily closed, I think, because they were just overwhelmed by the amount of orders. Yeah, and so they have a quote from the designer. Your support during this extremely difficult time means more than I can express, Carnell wrote on the brand's Etsy page, which advertises, in quotes, accessories for the loud, proud, and colorful. Yeah, and so like I was saying, here it says abrapellen, which means ricochet in German, is Carnell's favorite word. Screenshots and posts on social media show that Target previously sold three abrapellen items, a $25 slogan sweater with the words cure transphobia, not trans people, an $18 too queer for here tote bag, and a quote-unquote we belong everywhere fanny pack. 
And as much as I hate the term fanny pack and the word fanny in general, which did you know means something totally else, uh, totally different in England. I believe in England, the quote unquote fanny is in the front. Well, <laughs> here in the States, it's in the back. But you wear your fanny pack. In the, oh, do you, no, you can wear it either in the front or the back. I've never worn one. I uh, hope to go to the grave never having worn one. But all that aside, I pretty much concur with the statements the designer is putting on their products. Uh, we belong everywhere and all that stuff. Uh, I'm all for, you know, uh, tolerance and acceptance. Um, and uh, speaking of fanny packs, I remember not long ago, I, uh, I found out there's something called a Fanny DeVito pack. It's a fanny pack, but looks like Danny DeVito and even has like the tufts of hair coming off the sides. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it continues. London-based Carnell, a gay trans man, said on Instagram that he did not know if Target would begin selling the items again and that he would know more over the coming days. And there's a quote, I hope that none of Target's retail employees are the victims of further threats and that none of them come to any harm, he wrote. And I agree, that's just so crazy. Uh, even if you, you know, you disagree with a, with a corporation's ideology and you um, take offense at a certain display, the employees probably aren't making much and they're there, you know, on their feet working all day just trying to make a buck and survive and probably provide for themselves and their families. You know, taking your grievances out on the employees, that doesn't make any sense. It's definitely not cool, you know. And I just said, you know, again, if you're playing at home, take a drink. I think it's just one of my many go-to verbal uh, fillers. But it continues, backlash on social media was mainly targeted at Abrapel at let me let's try this again. Abprelin products that were not sold at Target, some of which contain images of pentagrams and horned ram skulls that some people associate with Satan worship. Products sold on Abprelin's Etsy shop included a pin featuring the slogan Satan respects pronouns. I remember seeing clips online of certain um, kind of conservative Christian pundits or content creators who were really uh, had their hackles up about that one. And it says that cost 5.20 pounds, around $6.56 US or USD. And an eight-pound, $10.10 enamel pin with the slogan, Trans Healthcare Now. And there's another quote from the designer, I am, believe it or not, not a Satanist, Carnell said on Instagram, responding to reports and social media posts that labeled him as Satan-loving. Etsy, an online marketplace where people sell homemade, homemade products, did not reply to requests for comment. I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the show before, but I actually have an Etsy shop. I don't think I've ever sold a single thing. Um, you know, same story I've been telling for years and years now. I work construction, but I went back to school years ago and got a graphic design degree because I've always been into art and drawing. And yeah, so just for the heck of it, just to test the waters, I think it was a few years back, I put up some of my stock art 
as uh, digital downloads on Etsy, but no one's ever purchased any, which is odd because uh, my stock art actually sells elsewhere, not for very much. They're basically just vector illustrations I drew of different animals, and I think, yeah, I think, I know, I have a Krampus one and that kind of thing. And, uh, but you, you don't make much off of stock art unless you sell, you know, very la large scale quantities. Uh, I think every time someone downloads one of my illustrations from Adobe stock or Shutterstock, I make somewhere in between like 25 cents to a dollar <laughs> and it's kind of slowed to a trickle, but yeah, I've thought of actually trying to sell enamel pins on my Etsy shop, like maybe take some of my illustrations. I thought it'd be cool to maybe make Krampus pins or something like that, but I don't know how successful that would be or how much money I'd have to sink into it. But anyway, that's a, a tale for another day. But yeah, it was kind of strange where he said that he's not a Satanist because obviously he's making kind of Satan-themed pride products, which I, ha once again, have no problem with. Um, so I wonder when they say I'm not a Satanist, if he or they mean that they're not a theistic Satanist, that they're a non-theistic Satanist like most, if not all, people who are either, you know, Levian Satanists or belong to the uh, Satanic Temple, or if they mean they're not even a non-theistic Satanist. It could be that they're just doing the Satan-themed stuff because they think there's a, um, a market for it. To be honest, there was only one product I saw that the person was selling that I found kind of problematic, and I have a really kind of dark and edgy, inappropriate sense of humor, but yeah, I saw at least how it wasn't a good look, at least, you know. Um, it was, uh, and they weren't selling it at Target. Once again, this was on their personal Etsy store. It was an illustration of a guillotine or guillotine. And I should say that as someone with a design background, I actually like the person's style. I like the, um, their color choices, the uh, the style of the illustrations, the typefaces, uh, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, so it was a, a simple kind of illustration of a guillotine, and it had the caption, and this is, I'm paraphrasing, but it said something like homophobe or ho yeah, homophobe headrest, and it was a, a guillotine or guillotine. Uh, tomato, tomato, Nietzsche, Nietzsche. But um, I remember thinking, I'm like, uh, I think there's a problem with that on a couple of levels. One is you're kind of playing into the hands of your opponents because then they can say, oh, look at the the violent uh, queer person or whatever, you know, look how they really are. Look what they want to happen to us. They want to kill us, you know? And then um, as a marginalized group, it's probably not, you know, you want to, I think it's probably good to try to be morally consistent or treat others the way you want to be treated. So it's probably not the best thing ethically to be putting, even if it's joking, it's meant to be kind of tongue in cheek or sardonic to put like a message of violence out there. 
And I'm not trying to make too big a deal out of it, because at the end of the day, I'm not going to lose any sleep over the fact that they have this kind of edgy enamel pin for sale, and I think it's also available on t-shirts. I'm just saying that it's the only product that had a message that I could, that I somewhat found even remotely problematic, or, or I could see why people could justifiably take issue with. But even that said, end of the day, I don't think it's a really big deal, but I thought I should just mention it. Uh, yeah, but I don't think I have too much more to say. I've been at this for a while now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just tiring, this kind of... The ongoing culture war and this kind of ugly aspect of it, where we really seem to have this kind of anti-trans sentiment that's been whipped up. And, uh, I really hope it cools down and, uh... <sighs> Yeah, just, um, in general, just the divisive atmosphere in the country right now. This tiring, once again, hopefully I don't sound too redundant, ongoing culture war. Um, I think there's room to be both concerned about kids and not treat trans and gay and queer people uh, like they're monsters or freaks or whatever. Uh, I, I just, uh, I hope everyone just chills out, man, and we can all work on accepting one another and living together, as corny as hell as that might sound. It's honestly how I feel. But with that being said, as always, thank you, everyone, for listening. You guys know the drill. You can like the Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter, even though I'm not on there much. You can check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, which is always greatly appreciated uh, <laughs> now even more than ever, my monitor died, and, uh, and, and I'm kind of jumping around in time here. I'm recording this ending after the fact, uh, and I'm also going to tack on a little introduction. And I think in the, in the introduction, I'll mention how well I, while I was recording this episode, my monitor just went up and died. And so I had to buy a new monitor. Uh, I recently ran into a bunch of car trouble and had to spend about 2500 bucks, which I already really couldn't afford, to get my car fixed uh, just so I could go to work and get from point A to point B. So yeah, if you want to support the show monetarily, you can always go to patreon.com slash theweekendout and support me for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, sorry for the e-begging, and until next time, brothers and sisters.